Hello, fellow humans. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Human Derek podcast, where I hang out with other humans. We talk about human stuff. We even talk about alien stuff sometimes. And uh, how do these things even happen? So first off, I want to give a shout out to this delicious brew that keeps my mind oh so clear and oh so focused. I was actually watching this video. I was looking up ways to make coffee, some kind of different things to spice it up. And there was actually a, a, an article on putting hot sauce in your coffee. And there was a video on there. The video wasn't about the hot sauce, but the lady runs a, a health, like natural health type of a business. And she was calling coffee a mind-altering substance. And I went, oh my gosh, pretty much 360 of 365 days per year, I am altering my mind with this delicious beverage. So anyways, uh, that's what I like. I like coffee and we have a, a, a great company in Guadalupe Coffee Roastery that I grind those beans daily and delish that delish dish sip, sip that delicious brew. Um, it's pretty much a, a muddy elixir is what I drink in the morning. Grind my Brazilian whole bean coffee from Guadalupe Coffee Roastery, throw some turmeric, cinnamon, sometimes some black pepper if I'm feeling kind of fresh. I'm really tempted to do this hot sauce thing. Throw some hot sauce in there and see what that buzz is all about. Throw a little MCT oil, sometimes some butter, sometimes some oil. You don't really, you know, kind of mix it up a little bit. Throw some mushroom powder in there. It is a full on. It's like a, a coffee smoothie, except there's nothing that people would probably go, mm, I want to scoop that up with a spoon. Uh, anyways, brought to you by... Guadalupe Coffee Roastery supporting the Human Derek podcast since day one. We've even had their their founder, uh, really incredible guy, on the podcast once upon a time. So you can check that episode out if you haven't. You can find it in the archives. Uh, use code Derek D E R E K. So D E R E K. Derek will get you ten percent off on any order from Guadalupe Coffee Roastery. And uh, there's that. Also, I'm gonna give it a quick shout out. Had a company reach out to me. We haven't formalized anything yet, but I did a little research in them. And just because of the conversations on today's episode, I want to give them a little plug because they seem like a really cool company. They're called the Acton Academy. And I hope I'm saying that right because all I've really done is kind of venture around on their website and see what they're all about. And, uh, you know, they reached out about participating uh, in the podcast in some way, shape, or form. So that's in the works. But it's really cool. They, it seems really cool. You know, I don't have any kids, so I can't speak for it, but it's a, uh, like a, it's like a franchise model, but they have a shared learning experience with kids and they take a Socratic approach. If you are familiar at all with the Socratic approach, I mean, it's question-based, you know, critical thinking skills, I believe that's an incredible way for people to learn, especially for kids. So they have me pretty excited. Small class sizes, a lot of things are just, it seems like they're really, you know, working to fill the the void or a, one of the voids that exist in the uh, housing or housing <laughs> in the in the educational system right now around helping, you know, children think critically about the world around them versus uh, there's a Brazilian philosopher named Paulo Ferreiro. 
Paul, Paulo Ferreira. And he has this thing he's written, you can check it out called the, uh, the banking concept of education. And that's really how we treat um, our minds right now in, in today's world. And it's great. I mean, it's, it's better than, than not having an education. So if you're a teacher, you know, kudos to you. You know, everybody's out there doing their best. There's a, in my belief, a little bit extra we can do for the youth. And, uh, you know, I got, was very fortunate to get to learn some of these things from professors that had unique methodology for teaching in my experience in college. And I sort of latched down to those types of things in terms of, uh, you know, their influence on my life. So the Acton Academy, they're not officially a sponsor yet. Just going to give them a quick plug because they seem pretty cool and they reached out. So uh, if you do reach out to them or if you do connect with them at all, I know they're looking for franchise owners, it looks like, but they also have some around where you can enroll kids. You know, do do mention, mention, be like, hey, heard about you on this really cool podcast. This guy named Derek was talking about you. That'll probably help our our interactions a little bit. So, hey, thanks. Uh, anyways, what do we got? We got Nicole, Nicole, Nicole Selchow, Selkow, Selchow. How do you say her last name? I'm getting better at these last names sometimes, but Nicole's really awesome. She's based out of Southern California. She, uh, you know, currently works at a pretty um, advanced level in uh, in business around the pharmaceutical world and also is developing her own business based on her time there and a lot of other things in life. It's not a pharmaceutical business that she's building and I, I probably, you're going to get a better experience hearing in her own words how she describes what she has going on. But we dig into a lot of the good stuff. We dig into, you know, a bit about what it's like to be a full-time mom in today's world with homeschooling, you know, and a job and building a business. Uh, we talk about words, you know, I'm a fan of words and how we use them and their impact on our thinking. So we do talk a bit about, you know, limiting words and phrases versus some empowering things and just the kind of patterns we can, we can fall into as people that it's just something that we say and it's like reactionary versus a response. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, the lifestyle, what people have figured out in the last year and, you know, where folks are, are working really hard to to take their life in the future after getting this experience of having a lot of time to just sit and think for many people. So I think you're going to like her a lot. I'm a huge fan of Nicole. She is a really incredible person, really incredible mom and a great friend. So have fun on today's episode. See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derek Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's like, I'm going to tune in and this is how I hear my guidance. This would be great. I know. Maybe there's something to that to be said. We can start marketing headphones that tune out the little voices that try to deter us from great things. I've found it's so helpful to drive in my car and talk to my notes. Oh, okay. oh am I supposed to be doing that right now? See, yep, so, okay. So go like, I'm going to go like a little extra. There you go. You got to let you like some people just really, and this is why I swap out the these and uh, clean them. They just them. really like. They're like oh, you can hear. Breathing. Yeah. 
Never okay. heard my voice this clearly. It sounds nice, doesn't it? Okay. Or is it weird? It's weird. Is it weird? Do you know why most people think when they, when they hear their voice for the first time, especially on a recording, most people don't like it? Mm-hmm. They go, oh, that's what I sound like? And I guess we sort of get get that right now. But do you know, if you ever recorded yourself and then listen, you're like, what? Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is I've been starting to, <clears throat> I have very little time to journal, but it's very helpful. <clears throat> and so what I've been doing is I've been talking to my notes or my voice memos on my phone. Hmm. And I process things that way. And I have these huge aha epiphany moments. But then I go back and I listen to them to like further journal about something. And as I'm listening to them, I've realized that I'm Canadian when I say about, and I don't know why. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been hearing my voice and I'm like, that's what I sound like. I didn't realize. So yeah. Yeah. Had that revelation recently. Congratulations. It is, I read this a while back. I think the first time I recorded myself, it was for a like a public speaking engagement. And I... Uh, one of the things I was reading was like, yeah, record it, listen back, and you'll be able to hear the parts where you just need to weed out or refine. And I was mm. like, that's what I sound like? <laughs> and then I read about it and it was has to do with, or at least this article said, I'm not a doctor. I don't know these things. but Disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer. Oh, <laughs> we were just talking about that too. Um, don't take any medical advice you get on this show for pure <laughs> entertainment purposes. Um, it has to do with like the echo in your jaw and the way the bones are and our skull. And so we're accustomed to hearing our voice a certain way because it's coming out of us, mm, right? Yeah. So we hear it really as it's being delivered out into the world. But the way you hear my voice is different than how I normally hear it when I'm speaking. That's so, true. Yeah. The resonance is definitely different probably. Resonance. It's a strong, I, don't, I like that word. There you go. Yeah, the new resonance. words. New words. Google it. Google it. So, hey. Hey. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Nicole. That is me. Last name, Seljow. Got it. Nailed it. Yes. Just as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is your first time doing a podcast. This is. This is true. And you are working on potentially launching your own. I think that's how we ended up here, right? Yes. I reached out to you and asked if I could ask you questions. And your response was yes, if I come here and do this. So. Oh, I totally blackmailed you or bribed you or what's the top, proper term? I mean, I have free Host- will and choice. Hostage negotiations. So, yeah. well, glad you came. Yeah, I think the best way to, to figure out things sometimes is simply to simply to do them. I would not disagree. <laughs> although I did have to say, what like what are we going to talk about? What, I don't know. Oh. I mean, we can talk about fiddle leaf trees. I think during the the mic test run, you said indoor olive trees, and <laughs> that's kind of the cool part about it. Is it can be, it can be anything. What um, what will your podcast when you launch it be about? That is a great question. I am trying to figure that out right now. Um, I have the beginnings of recognizing just this feeling in me that I really want to share stuff, and that there is a lot that I've been through, that I've lived, that I've experienced. And when I talk to friends or different people or people at the grocery store, whatever it may be, um, I always just feel so connected to them. And I feel usually like there's some little tidbit that I have or this analogy or this story that would relate to them. And I, I generally ask if I can share it and I do. And it leads to these beautiful conversations. And I've just been feeling... 
yeah, like there's, there's so many areas that I'm interested in. And so I'm trying to really just be more open to it and figuring out what it is I want to share. Um, but right now, I mean, I've, I've narrowed it down to, I want to connect with people. They want to help people. They want to share, um, you know, I heard this saying, turn your mess into your message. I'm sure mm. you've heard that before, but <laughs> kind of that idea of what I've gone through, what I've been through, if it can help somebody else, I want to do that. And I just love the idea of conversations with people from all over and finding out how we're all actually the same. Um, yeah. Is is my idea probably selfishly motivated? I find it very healing for myself to talk to other people and see myself in them. Um, mm. So yeah, probably selfishly motivated, but I think it would also help. Guess what? Most things are. Even when we're yeah. giving, I remind myself and others of this quite regularly, in fact, a nuisance to some folks with it, uh, kind of this, even when we're donating money, you know, yeah, we're yeah. helping others, but if, Feels, feels good. good. That's why we do. Yeah. I don't. Maybe people do donate money when it feels bad. I, I think that's probably you're probably not supposed to do that. One of my favorite phrases is kind of John Berghoff. I remember him saying, "Help while it help while it feels good, but not until it hurts." Hmm. Yeah. Which is interesting because that actually makes my mind go to. I'm reading this book called um, I think it's the Pathway to Integrity or Pathway of Integrity or something about integrity. But she talks a lot about the cultural conditioning, right? And so do you keep giving though as part of a cultural condition mm. potentially? And then her whole idea is we're so conditioned by different layers of cultural values, whether that be a small scale like your family or the state you grew up in or the country you grew up in or the political you know, genre that you um, adhere to, but that all those different things are giving you things to align with, adhere with, to believe in. And at what point are they out of integrity with who you are? And her idea of integrity, I love her definition of integrity. She says it's a, a Latin word originally, and it just means intact. Hmm. But we've changed it a little bit. We change a lot of stuff. In we fact, do. there's words. I was texting a friend of mine in LA. She's a, an actress and she, uh, she's like doing commercials and done, done some pretty cool stuff actually. I didn't really know this. I feel kind of bad. I'm like, am I supposed to know these things about you? Uh, she did like, I saw like Grey's Anatomy or whatever and it's very like humble. But anyways, we were texting yesterday and I said, uh, like I used the word matters mm. and then I uh, said, hey, me too. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I even in the text I was like, I feel like I, these are I phrases can't. that mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not allowed to use in the lingua say. I have to figure out a new way to say me as well. It's, I guess it has to be proper English is what it has to be. But uh, yeah, it's, the language is constantly shifting. Have you ever used that? There's a tool on Google where you can type in a word and you can see how popular it's been. No. And they, they track it back. Like, I don't know, they go back to like the 1800s or whatever. I think they pull it from... Uh, books and from writings to see how popular words were. Some of them were popular, then they fell off, then they came back. Hmm. Some of them are obviously brand new. And the more we intertwine languages, like, because I speak a decent amount of like Brazilian Portuguese, mm -hmm. there were words that when I was coming back from Brazil or, or even now that 
they exist in Portuguese, which is very Latin-based, that don't exist in English, vice versa. And I would combine these words to describe mm-hmm. when I wanted something or was thinking about something. They just didn't exist. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. You know what word you have... Ruined is a strong word. You've changed for me is I remember a long time ago, I think I had said good morning to you or something. And you were like, I never say morning. Uh, It's not good morning. And I'm not kidding you. There has not been a day that I go to like say that to somebody or out loud that I don't try to change it because I think about what you told me about mm -hmm. that. And it's always for whatever reason stuck in my head. Our brain, when I learned that, and and maybe it's true, maybe it's not true. It seems true to me in terms of intrinsically, like I work a lot in the advertising world. Mm -hmm. And uh, with magazines, you would say, some people call them magazine issues. But if Mm. they're they're in like a sales meeting and they're talking about issues, there's some intrinsic part of a person that that even if they don't acknowledge it or recognize it, mm-hmm. they can create some doubt because they're like, oh, issue. Like, issue. That's a problem. Hurdle, negative. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what I got that morning thing from was kind of this this belief in, in reading that our mind is like a Rolodex, like those old library, you know, you pull out the index cards and there's a lot of people who are like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you'd have to, to find the book, you would like pull this index card thing out and figure out what part of the library it's in. And our minds work like that. So when you say morning, you're, you know, in this scenario, most likely what it means in the context mm-hmm. of it, but your brain still has to go through and expend energy in that Rolodex. And one of the words it pulls up is morning, like loss. Um, since, since that, I've kind of evolved my thinking. I still don't say morning or good morning, but when others say it, I my mind, instead of having like a, oh, like morning, mm-hmm. um, has changed to morning, the, the yesterday is gone, like now today is a new day. So sure. almost like celebrating the birth of the of new, a new day. day. Sure. It's very complex. Like mm-hmm. even, even me. It's a talk. lot to go through for, for a casual <laughs> greeting. <laughs> I just like, like happy day. Hey. Yeah. I've, I've switched as often as I can remember now. Does it feel better? I don't know if it, it probably does. If I stop and think about it, I just, the connotation became so ingrained in my mind when you said it, that now anytime I say it, I think of your reason for not saying it. And I'm like, I don't want that reason. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say, good day to you. Top yeah. of the morning. Officially warped your mind. If anything, too, I think one of the things that sort of people get bogged down in is like, how are you? And just being super, mm. just trying to like lock into this contextual um, space of like making a conversation feel a certain way. And I love just, mm. someone's like, how are you? I'm like, I'm freaking amazing. Or or I'll go super philosophical and just give them a five minute response where they're like, man, I'm never asking this guy again. How is he? But it's just like, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it's cold outside. It's warm outside. Like, Let's either just like drive that energy up, make this productive conversation, skip the small talk. Like Yes, always skip the small talk. Yeah. Yeah. What if you were having an absolutely awful day and someone said, how are you? I was having a, a rough day the other day and someone said, how are you? And I said, you know, I'm a human. So there's constantly, because even then, even when you're having a terrible day, not everything is bad. 
No. And so it wouldn't be right for me to, to say, oh, it's so awful and blah, blah, blah. That means I'm missing like some gratitude. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying attention to all the wonderful things I do have going on. So I, I said like, I said, you know, I am human. So it's constantly a mix of feelings. Mm-hmm. And uh, while there's a, a bunch of stuff that's challenging, there's also some really great things. Uh, what's happening in your world? And they're like, uh, what do I say to that? You know? No, that's a, that's a great answer. <laughs> I love that answer. I think I'm working on on that. I love that how you put that, that there, even when there's a bad day and not everything is bad. And I think for me, I'm in such a place where I'm going to get personal here for a second, but <laughs> growing up not dealing with feelings very well, mm-hmm. especially the ones that made anyone else uncomfortable. I've gotten very good at answering, how are you, with just this numbed response, right? And the last few years, I've really stopped when someone asked me that question and I use it as an internal signal to like, how am I actually? Mm. Um, depending upon the person asking me will be the the level of honesty I answer with. But... I definitely find that there is benefit to. Do you hear a little bit of static? I hear that. Okay. I hear like a uh, hissing sound. Yeah. That's not normal. So I want you to keep going, keep going with your story and we'll figure this out. We'll, we'll pause after your story so we can get a good. Um, <laughs> what was my story? Oh, you found. so I found that um, being honest with myself though about like, yeah, today sucks and I'm having a hard time and just stating it and being honest opened up so much more freedom. And now I am allergic to, if someone asks me, how are you? And I say the word fine, I highly dislike the Mm. word fine. Mm -mm. I feel like it sweeps everything under the rug. And I feel like just as a culture in general, like if we had to sum up people, it would just be like, Americans are just fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. I'm okay. But like, is fine what you want? You know, is yeah, fine good? No. no, I don't like that. I would rather be like fuming, angry, yeah, and heated own and passionate it. about Say something it. or amazing and great. Right. All right. Let's figure out this darn hissing thing. Not like I go in and, and cut out anything, but I do have a couple people that help me um, clean it up so that the audio sounds really good and there's some tools and things like that. I don't know. I like to just try to nail it and do a great job and uh, not need any editing. But every once in a while, you got some equipment things. So uh, we were talking about words. Words Words. are cool. I love words. Love words. Words. And you think it's ridiculous and I also agree, you didn't say ridiculous, I'm putting words in your mouth. Um, when people are just fine and they're okay. Kind of yeah. with me on that. So, uh, how about this? I guess we gotta, I'm gonna have to edit all this out now. Um, you good mm-hmm. on this? All right, so we'll go, I'm trying to think how to loop it back in. I don't like it, I haven't heard it to do that very often. Okay, so words stink, blah, 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 blah. Words do stink. It is there. Oh, well, we're just going to go with it. As long as you're not, you're fine, you're not distracted by it. Um, It's like when we talk. Yeah, it just kind of creeps up and it's like, 
So. Um, randomly, when we were talking about words, um, it kept popping into my mind the movie A Waking Life. I feel like I've told you about this before and recommended it, and I don't know if you ever heeded my recommendation or not. So I'm going to plug it again. But it's a, I guess it's a movie called The Waking Life. And each chapter kind of walk, walks through a different aspect of life from a very philosophical perspective. But they get, I think, some famous actors and stuff in there, but then they bring in artists to paint over each section of the film. And effectively, the entire movie is, is a lucid dream from this kid hmm. and his experience with his own mortality and, and life and topics in life. It's like spoiler alert. Like I don't need to watch it now or no, you, I can't spoil it because <laughs> okay. I wouldn't even know how to put into words everything that happens, but there is a chapter or a, a section of that movie that is about, um, words and the effect that they have on people and the meaning that they hold and how, what a poor job they do in really like explaining what we're truly feeling and how, mm -hmm. how relative they are, I guess. But it's fascinating. And that, that scene I think actually has Ethan Hawke in it, but he's again painted over by an artist and it's very cool. And we, they start talking a, about- A waking life? A waking life. I'm so bad at, at movie, when people recommend movies to me, like when I, by the time I get to watch any movie, which is, it's just, I just don't do it a whole lot anymore. Sure. I am- I usually want to do it for very, like there was this documentary that came out, Sea Spiracy, and I kept hearing like all this hype and it's super good and it's going to make you never want to eat fish again. And mm. I was like, oh, and I, I had to like force myself to watch the first five or seven minutes because I'm like, maybe it'll get good. And once I did that, I was into it. But I, I have, I fall asleep when I go to the theater. So yeah, I'm, I'm not a, a weird big, place. I'm not a I'm not a movie theater person. That's not mm -hmm. my thing either. This is like watching. I'm gonna, I'm gonna absorb it. I'm telling. It's gonna, like when you get done. At least for me, I have the feeling of satisfaction. Like I just read a really good book. Mm -hmm. I don't. My mind is very expanded. I'm very open. I'm thinking of all kinds of things. It's not like a traditional movie. I think, if, I think when I have a a wife or a fiance or something, I'm just gonna end up like having like this whole. Like it'll be like cuddle and movie time to make up for all the movies I haven't watched in the last uh, few years. Sorry, that was a little personal there. No, but okay. uh, the it's word okay. thing is really funny. Like there are some things that I don't let them, I used to kind of like, oh, but uh, that, that limit us. I just came out of uh, hot yoga mm -hmm. this morning and I saw somebody's sandals and it said hot mess. Mm. And by the way, that is one of those phrases that, it kind of, it doesn't drive me insane to where I'm like, oh, I'm going to jump off the patio. I'm going to steal her shoes. But <laughs> No, but it's like, uh, I feel like it's one of those things that, that is used regularly to, yes, life is totally messy, but I see it more often used in a sense of like, I'm amazing, but I don't feel amazing. And I don't know, it, it, it seems like almost like it, it can cap like the fact that even when people are messy, there is a lot of beauty or they mm -hmm. are doing really great things. And I almost see it used as a, on accident for, and it just leads to creating more mess Yeah, sometimes. Or an excuse for staying in it. Right. Yeah. And I think it also just creates this, this 
air of, um, this is extreme and this doesn't apply to all those situations, but like self-pity, right? Like mm. I'm going to stay in this. This is what it is and it's trendy and it's fine versus there's power in like owning that something is messy and shitty. Can I say that? You say whatever okay. you want. Okay. Messy and <laughs> shitty, but you say it in a way that it's um, the motive behind it and the energy behind it is saying something like that for your own liberation and freedom and owning it. And yes, that's what it is, but I'm going to change that or shift it versus just perpetuating the same story mm. to stay in that story because it's getting you what you want, you, which I think we do all the time. But you that's a whole it. other thing. And because <laughs> you are a lady, I think you put it in much better terms than me from your perspective. Because mm. I just look at it from the outside. Because guys don't really say like, I'm, I'm, I don't have any guy friends who are like, I'm a hot mess. Right. So, so I just look at it from the outside and I'm like, oh, I, that stinks. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> become this very, like, cute thing, you know? And now it's it's almost, like, branded and marketed. Like, I see, like, you There's know, champagne. Well, the, yeah, the flip-flops. <laughs> There's, like, the champagne glasses that have it where it's, like, mm-hmm. oh, let's have mimosa and we're all hot messes together. I don't know. It's just a weird <laughs> thing to me. And I just feel like then you want to yes. sit around and complain about how things are and what you don't have and the man you don't have and the life you don't have. It's like, well, you're probably perpetuating more of that by continuing to do these activities and say that same story. So you get more of that same story because you're stuck in the story. So change the loop, but get it, girl. that's just me, you know? So what do you, no, I like that. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to use that for marketing purposes. Mm. That's going to be audio clipped out. Uh, what are you, so what are you doing with life lately? With my life? Yeah. How's life With the life I you? have? Life is good. <laughs> life is, um, life is challenging. I am human as far as I know, um, yes. or I'm an alien. I don't know. Either way. Depends on which books you read. Precisely. Um, life is good. I've been doing since the whole COVID thing. I've been, <laughs> the whole COVID thing. you know, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been a homeschool teacher, uh, work full time for myself, uh, try to take care of myself, trying to start a business, um, trying to stay alive. You know, just all those good things. I've been doing that. It's been um, very rewarding, very challenging to try to balance. I think I actually heard you talking about this maybe last week with somebody where um, he was talking about his parents who were entrepreneurs growing up. So his home space, when they moved into the COVID thing and everyone was home, was not abnormal to him and he could create, you know, structure and had discipline around those things. That was the opposite for me. I was very used to having a nine to five and going to a job and doing the work and then coming home and then being, well, I was never always off, but like more or less that was the intention. So kind of shifting into working for myself pre COVID, um, and finding my rhythm, which I was starting to do, but then everything else shifted and my daughter then came home full time, no school, have to do homeschool, plus create structure around how I work and when I work and how I help her and when I help her and how to create autonomy and independence for her and self-care for myself while still doing all the chores and all the things. Um, it's been a crash course in what I'm made of for sure. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, I guess it is. 
It's, it's a little. It's a little it's, well, yeah. the cool part about it is I, uh, not to take away from your experience, but what I've seen is there are many, a lot of people. I mean, that's just kind of what happened, it's right? Just figure it out, yeah. Not everybody. Some people, unfortunately, unfortunately or fortunately, I think some folks have lost their jobs. I found they've been super excited about what they created. Absolutely. But it's it's been this shift. And now you have companies that want their employees to come back to the office, employees that don't want to go back to the mm -hmm. office, people that have sort of figured out. Um, one of the most fascinating things, I work with a lot of people in Canada, between the Canada and U.S., like Canada's giving away a lot more money. The U.S. is trying to pull back on giving away some of those benefits now. Mm -hmm. um, people have figured out, I can live on a lot less. Mm -hmm. I can hang out and watch Netflix or play video games or whatever it is that the folks want to do. And those aren't the two primary things. I mean, there's a lot more productive time there. Sure. But in be a, a mom to my daughter, you know, the schools are, I've seen some really, <laughs> your eyes went big. <laughs> I've seen some fascinating things around teachers and schools. And like, I don't have, I don't have kids. So I just get to hear sort of secondhand, mm -hmm. but it seems like, and this is not to, to put down any particular teacher or sure. school system, but the responsibility that schools have put on parents for for kids learning, it's it seems crazy to me. It it's a lot, but I guess I guess in the structure that we have now in the educational system that we have now, like what would be the alternative? Given that we had to do what we had to do in terms of schools closing down and whatnot, but it's, yeah, it was a lot and parents had to take on a lot, but I think there's always going to be two groups of people, people who absolutely despised it, but then people who made the best of it. And for, I can't say that I consistently had the, the outlook of this is amazing, but I think I could settle into that on a daily basis and keep that as my intention of like, when am I ever going to get another opportunity I had, side note, I had been thinking about wanting to homeschool my daughter in general, just from my own personal beliefs. I, I don't necessarily feel like she's learning a lot in the public school system. <laughs> um, and there's a lot more valuable things she could be learning. So that was definitely a passion of mine. But then along with, you know, working for myself and having a business and starting that and was kind of just trying to figure out how do I make that happen without just being a single mom, um, and so it had been something I was researching, but kind of out there in the distance, right? And then I'm a strong believer, not that I'm not by at all saying COVID happened so that I could learn how to homeschool, <laughs> but it, it was like a, like a, a perk, uh, you know, I was forced. And it, that's my point is I think a lot of people were forced to look at certain things or to pursue certain things or to start certain things or to end certain things. Like, I feel like it was mm -hmm. a great catalyst for a lot of change. In many, many ways, but it sped it up. It, it expedited it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the the homeschool thing is is very interesting, and she is, and I will always say that she is my biggest teacher. Like I learned so much from her, and I'm humbled by watching how she learns. I learned so much about myself just by watching her learn. If that makes sense, how she approaches things how she breaks down problems. Kids are fascinating. Well, and we, we were kids once upon a we time. We were, and then it makes it reminds me of that yeah. innate wisdom and ability that I have that I've just societally, you know, pushed down and 
conditioned away puts me back in touch with with which is ironic right exactly Our, our schools teach us to recite things and mm-hmm. learn from a few specific people versus being engaged, critical thinking skills. Critical thinking skills. Yeah. Being curious. Like there should be just a whole section of school where it's like, hey, here's how you can always stay curious. Stay curious, <laughs> ask questions. Don't, yeah. I love that, for example, my daughter is real big on taking things apart and figuring out like the why. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, yes. She does belong to me. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, and how old is she? She's seven. Seven. Yeah. Okay. But oh. she definitely is super strong-willed and probably a product of being around not as many kids for the last little bit and me and my friends and then hearing conversations that we have, which are, <laughs> you know, I mean, she's doing something, but she's still in the mm-hmm. in the presence of the conversations we're having and they're you know, kind of like the ones you and I are having right now. So she hears these, oh my gosh, she is a sponge. And I think I've created a monster already, but she's (laughs) always like, you can't get anything by her. She doesn't just accept something because you tell it to her. Mm. And she will often spew back at me, you know, my (laughs) advice or the things I say, um, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, both (laughs) a blessing and a curse depending on the day and my stress level at the the moment. Accountability partner there. Oh, yeah. I've watched my my nephews, a couple of my nephews, um, several. Mm -hmm. My family is prolific. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, learn more on their own in the last year than I think they were getting out of school before and after. And And the crazy part is that it's like, mandatory for them to go back to school because that's how schools make money is from their butts being in the chair. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's very, once you kind of get an outside perspective and you see how driven it is by economics versus a lot of other things like actual learning, it's it's strange, but uh, it's not strange. It's just kind of the way most of the things work, work. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like one of my nephews built this, and I've kind of talked about this before in the past. He actually did a he, he's. 10 now and did his own podcast episode with this guy named Adam Torres who has a company called Mission Matters. And he, I think it's the only kid or maybe he's in like one other kid interview. He's got like thousands of episodes and he interviewed my nephew, which was freaking awesome. That's amazing. He painted these rocks and was like uh, selling rocks on Facebook and made enough to buy like a Nintendo Switch or DS or whatever it was and like a gaming chair, like just kind of set up his own, you know, business, rock selling business. And and the skills that you learn, like, you, you know, you're talking about starting a business in terms of communication mm-hmm. and how to negotiate. And when someone messages you on Instagram and you get grounded from your phone, like you got to be able to communicate to your parents. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I won't play around on there, but I am running a business and I need to respond. Like all of these life things, if you're running a business or if you're an employee even or whatever that is and you let something go or you don't communicate you know, openly with someone about um, through all of those things, you know, let your emotions kind of block that off. Mm-hmm. Like he just learned so much and it's freaking awesome. My other nephew too, uh, older nephew's brother, but those are things that without the, um, you know, events that have transpired and wherever you said, and I'm sadly there are, uh, you know, there are people getting very sick. So there's, that's a reality. Of course. And then there's a, a vast amount of people that just did not get sick or whatever. But um, the... Yeah, the events have just 
really expedited the transformation of the world. Like I am so big right now on learning about cryptocurrency and blockchain and mm -hmm. all of that. Like it's consuming most of my outside productive business time right now. I'm reading this book called Infinite Game. And it's like once I started understanding Ethereum and how it built and just, it's basically, I mean, you could build an education system on top of that for like self-learning. So it's it's kind of creating just independence mm -hmm. in all aspects of human um, culture or connectivity. Like an example is, I don't know, kind of took this totally into like crypto. I'm no, like all I like passionate yeah, about teach this. Me. But teach so, me. So like you could build like your own school program on top of this like blockchain uh, uh, concept, you know, this, this blockchain, what's happening, like this infinite machine essentially. You could, so you know when you go buy a house and there's like escrow and everything, or you could set up these smart contracts to where you no longer need an escrow company or a real estate agent. Like you and I could decide like, hey, I wanna sell you the house for this much, I'm gonna do this much. Instead of needing a bank or all these extra companies, like I just bought a house not too long ago and it was a disaster with the way the companies were set up and just the, all the garbage and, and you look at how much you spend extra just on people that weren't really doing a lot except for processing paperwork. And uh, not to put down the industry, there are some great, there are great agents and great, and I had actually had a great agent and all this other stuff, but there were some not so great people. And it was just like a product of like, you have to go through these middle folks. Yeah. And this gets rid of all that. Like you could have a, we, you and I could have a smart contract essentially and uh, transact on a house and not need anybody else to be involved other than, you know, getting the title or whatever county government stuff. Is Are all these there. books going to start disappearing now all of a sudden? Though? Well, hey, that's a good, um, I don't know if you, I've been kind of hot on this Dr. Seuss thing recently. Uh -huh. Do you know how they took some of his books? They're not publishing them. I've heard, I haven't researched fully, but I've heard. Yeah, I didn't. I, once I heard Dr. Seuss getting canceled, I was like, right, I'm not even going to like go down that rabbit hole, but I did do a little bit of research recently because I wanted to see what the specifics were. He has some books that, and he was actually sort of openly racist in his like early twenties and totally transformed. And so I don't know if that part of the story was put out there or even talked about, but it's, you know, he very much was a product of his environment and the sure. era and the time, like mm -hmm. that's what it was. Makes sense. Um, but like this painting I have up on the wall, actually the Sneetches. Yes. That's one of the most anti-racist, like, we're all equal books mm -hmm. ever written, but he does have a couple, I guess, where the the drawings and the words, it's just like super anti-racist and so, uh, or it's super, you know, racist or belittling and, and um, but these books, they stopped publishing them. So I go online and I'm looking and it's like $211 yeah, yeah. for one of them. And um, I, I, I think we should be not just, coll not collecting those things from a sense of like, hey, look how cool this is so that we don't forget. Like, but also, why can't the conversation be around just that? That he was raised in a time where he was a product of his environment. He was, you know, take it back to that book I was talking about. He was a product of his culture. What was his norm? What was the standard of that time for what he looked like to believe, right? And why isn't the conversation more about the progress we've made from there and what education gets us and why we should educate ourselves and why we're in a different time versus, oh, this you know, famous icon had this type of something, so let's cancel him, which is ridiculous. Like that stops the conversation. It's not about punishing someone who had believed that and then grew to believe something different and learned 
and change their perspective, like you cancel the whole opportunity of the message there, which I think is ridiculous. Well, and that's and that's a, an agenda that certain people are driving. Yeah. And that's very much cancel um, culture. Well, it's for sure, it's not as exciting on the headlines to actually have to. It goes back to critical thinking. The mm-hmm. schools don't teach us how to like actually have a real conversation about that. And it's much easier to plug a headline and say, um, "This is bad. This is good. Let's label it." The the other thing is when you look at politics and you look at what's very popular with our generation right now are these like Marxist communistic Mm -hmm. ideologies that are all about burning the library of Alexandria and getting rid of thinking and... Which are the, like, I don't, (laughs) what it's so ironic to me is that they're the same thing. I feel like, like you're upset about this thing. And so you want to take this action, but your action is so extreme that it's, it's the opposite side of the coin that you're, that you're mad against, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's just the wrong approach. I think but that's just should, my personal opinion. I think we should build a new school and it's going to be like... On cryptocurrency. On, on right on top of the blockchain. Yeah. Where you, you teach critical thinking <laughs> and definitely require, I think also later then, they need to be required to have some type of customer service job. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Build stepping things. stone. You yeah, have to yeah, serve yeah. other people for a while. Serve other people, learn how to use your hands. Um, <laughs> I think we can get rid of like certain types of math. We don't need those. Yeah. Other kinds, we should bring them back. Yeah, it'd be great. Basic statistics. Emotions. Teach about emotions. Uh, how to have so, them. What to do with them. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Most people don't understand like the layers. It's one of my favorite tools that a mentor of mine put me through. And I think he he's really involved with um, helping people uh, like in the AA program. I don't know a lot about AA, but I, I know. I do. You do? Okay. So he uh, like sponsored, right? I think mm-hmm. he's got a sponsor. So I think he sponsors a lot of people, helps them out because he had a pretty crazy story. And now he's a uh, just an incredible guy. I mean, he's always an incredible guy, but yep. obviously went through a rough patch. And he had this like feelings chart and mm-hmm. had all these faces, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so like we, we would do just like he was teaching about this stuff. I'm like, wow, this is actually really cool when it comes to emotional intelligence. Uh, you have an event, you go through all the faces, all the little feelings, and you're like, and instead of trying to give justification or explain an event, you just say like, uh, my car got rear-ended. And then you would go through like, I felt this, I felt this, I felt, you know, have you done this? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just from the act of doing, like I've done it with other people to kind of like, just not part of AA, just like literally just in life. And you figure out like you can have a really great experience or a really tough or challenging experience, but you can be inside of there happy and sad and frustrated. You'd have like 15 yeah. different emotions. And you can have ones that contradict each other. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is so like, duh, right? Like, like, of course you can, but I don't know that people actually think about that. And again, how my, my daughter is my biggest teacher is I remember, I think I said earlier, emotions were not something that I felt I could really have or fully explore when I was younger. And so it's my intention with her to be very mindful about not to the extreme, not everything is an emotion. We have to get so lost in them and floaty. Like there's, there's a balance, right? But that you can have them and there can be more than one and you can be both happy and sad or frustrated, scared and excited. And like you can have a plethora of them and there's room for all of them at the table. They're all invited. (laughs) 
you know, they all, and, and I think too, something that's key is recognizing that, that they're all neutral in a sense, right? Like anger in and of itself is not bad. Like it is a motivator. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it gets us to set boundaries, to take action, to do certain things. So anger in and of itself is not bad. It's what you choose to do with it and the thoughts that you choose to act on when you're in that state or in that emotion. Same with sadness, but same with happiness. Like, you know, that's... You can use like emotion as tools is kind of what I I thought of when you said that. Like you can, you can use anger as a, as a weapon and harm people with it, or you can use it as a tool to motivate yourself. Yeah. I think the biggest one for me when I, when I know when I'm getting angry and I think emotions too, just in general, when we're having a severe experience of any of them are a great way of, of, um, essentially throwing up an internal flag that something needs to be looked at, especially if they're the anger, the sadness, the frustration, all of those ones. It's more like an indication to me that something is being glossed over that needs a little bit more TLC from myself. I think you're right. I think I like it. That's uh, I'm just gonna sit here and I think you just keep going with this and you can you can guide me, help me heal through your feelings. I, we we started off, you know, you're talking about like, hey, I like to help, like, have these analogies for people. <laughs> I see it. I can feel it. So, uh, so I know you. I know a little bit extra about like kind of the work you've been doing and, and those types of things. And you said you're working on a business. Tell me about what, where you're at right now with um, those exciting pieces of life and what you're working to develop them into, where they're at currently. Yeah. So what I'm currently doing is interesting. It's, um, I left a pretty long career in marketing where I was in sustainability marketing for a while. And I decided to go totally rogue and I I became a personal assistant um, for a wonderful woman who I'm learning lots from. But part of that job is um, spiritual advising or mentorship or whatever you want to call that. Um, The other part of that job is definitely accounting and scheduling appointments and managing properties and all of that fun stuff. So there's, there's quite this juxtaposition there. But Um, what I feel most fulfilled in is, you know, curating meditations or, um, giving people different types of homework assignments or things to tap into different types of journal prompts and ways of relating with themselves or getting in touch with what they're feeling. Um, and so I've been trying to really explore that aspect a bit more, um, So in terms of where I want to go, I've just been writing a lot of blogs, um, more as my own therapeutic kind of type expression. So if I have a really big moment or for me, I I kind of am this chronic uh, book club goer. I have this really great circle of women that we do book studies with. and it's it's a, it's a Reiki book circle. So while we're talking about the book, we're also doing like a level of Reiki healing during it and, and talking about how it applies to our lives and all this great stuff. Um, but in, in doing all of that, I feel like... Oh, yeah. I'm ignoring it at this point. <laughs> in, in, is, it, is it distracting? No. Okay. I'm like, if you can ignore it, keep going, but it is, I got super loud, so I'm just going to have to edit it out. 
Yeah, I don't know what's going on. A little bit of audio hiss. Okay. Um, it, it was kind of funny. It was like right when I asked you about your business, it was like, it's a sign. <laughs> what does that mean? It means there's mean? a lot of extra energy around it. It's waiting for you to go in. I like that explanation more. Yep. So I've been doing um, a lot of a lot of blogging. I don't know what I'm waiting for to push it live. I think I have this magic number of blogs I have to have built up before I can push it live or something. Um, I'm also just no, a just chronic it. procrastinator. Got a lot of um, got a bit of that imposter syndrome happening. I recently learned to name my imposter syndrome <laughs> and talk to her. Fred. Um, you know what? This other girl that I was that I was doing this course with also heard this this suggestion to name your imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I wish I would have thought of this. And I feel like I can't steal it now that it's hers. But she was like, I named mine, and I named her Trina. And I was like, Huh? She's like, Yeah, she always trying to keep me back or trying to hold me down. So her name's Trina. And I was like, That is genius. Uh, it's great. It's so you can recognize it and be like, Get out of here, Trina. Yeah, or just like, Hey, I see you, but okay, and we're still gonna do this. You know. Well, since we're talking about words earlier too, one of the words that, and it's so funny because there's a little green Jedi that talks about this. Mm-hmm. He said, there is no try. There's only do. do. Mm-hmm. I had this super cool guy in my life, like 2000. He's still around. I, I just don't talk to him as much. He's I probably should. just one of the guys like, I could just go call him up once in a while. But I don't Yoda? Uh, yeah, Yoda. Yoda and I used to hang out <laughs> a lot. He's kind of like a Yoda. Um, his name's Chuck. Super cool dude. But he used to say a version of that. Um, and it, it really shifted how I behaved in life when he would drill this into me. Um, when I'm saying like, I'm trying to do this or I'm trying to do that. And I was working on it, but the progress wasn't, you could almost tell, like, I feel, I feel like I almost feel this a lot when somebody says like, they're trying to do something, like it's not fully there. And he said, there ain't no half stepping. You either is or you isn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think of the, there is no try, there's only do. And if you, anything I found, okay, we can weave this into all kinds of stuff. We talked about Latin based words, the, the, the word decide literally means like of decision, like to decide to like remove. Mm-hmm. And so when you decide to do something, you're no longer trying, you're fully invested, doing. you're committed, you're doing it. You've cut off all the other possibilities of failure. And that's the only way I know how to make things successful because uh, if you just try to do stuff, it can limp along. Yeah. Well, you're not being definitive in saying that you're not committing to one outcome, right? Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, allowing it to branch off and suck your energy out before you make it to that end point. I'm definitely doing that currently. I recognize that. Hey, so... I'm going to not do that anymore. Good. Just decided. Right here, live. Decided. Ooh, I have decided. I have decided. You decided to be successful at it. Right here, live. When you're a multi-billionaire with all those things, come back and, you know, pay us little people a visit. No problem. I like it. Uh... So what kind of like Satan worship, I'm totally joking. <laughs> so uh, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday. She's super Christian, amazing person. <laughs> and I was telling her about, about hot yoga. And um, there are some very weird hot yoga studios and very weird hot yoga teachers. 
And I could see if you're Christian or you're Catholic and you walk into one of these classes and you see a large golden elephant in the room, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to worship false idols. You could be sort of like- Yet you grab your cell phone and scroll through social media. I know, but you could be, you know, <laughs> it's, it's very much is like, because sure. it's based in certain practices or there are certain yoga studios. So, mm-hmm. um, but I re- I just would love to see her go to like a high yoga class. I'm like, I'm gonna like make this my new goal. And she might hear about this before she figures out. She's like, oh, he's trying to get me. But, uh, uh, how would you describe, because I, I found that most things in life are very similar. You see a giant Bible over there. I, I literally read that thing like six or seven days a week in the morning mm-hmm. um, to understand better Christian values and talk to people about mm-hmm. it more and mm-hmm. um, put a lot of, there's a lot of great wisdom in there to put into practice in the life. Absolutely. Um, but I, I know that sometimes people hear yoga or Reiki mm-hmm. or healing circle <laughs> or all this California mm-hmm. yeah, voodoo. Woo-woo. They call yeah. it woo-woo. So mm-hmm. what, how would you describe Reiki without bringing any evil spirits into this room right now? <laughs> yeah, I think that Reiki is just channeling God. Reiki is channeling a healing energy. I think that whether we want to call the bigger power that is God or consciousness Buddha, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. I mean, whatever you want to call it, karma. I think that most wisdom traditions, we can all agree that there is a entity, a power that is greater than us, that it's guiding things. That is almost like this magnetic pull if we just align ourselves with it. And I think that all Reiki is, is raising a hand and saying like, I'd like to, I'd like to get some of that. I'd like to be in alignment with that. And then putting yourself in it. Um, I don't think that believing and the healing practices of Reiki mean that you can't believe that Jesus Christ is the way. I don't think that um, if you go to healing circles or believe that a crystal has healing power means that you can't also go to mass and, and do your Hail Marys. Like I think that there is, for me, and over a lot of painstaking years of trying to find the right thing to believe in that was going to guarantee me entry to heaven or whatever it is I believed. I just see how it's all, not disrespectfully, but I see how it's all the same more than it's different. And and I think though we try to make it very complicated because it's very important to us. And I think back to language, right? We we as a culture wrap so much language and words around things that matter to us. And I think purpose and why are we here and those crazy thoughts of, of why am I here and what is my purpose and what happens after is important to human beings, especially ones that tend to critically think. And, um, and so there's a lot of words around it. And I think that that's why there are a lot of different pathways to get to it, i.e. different religions that came from, different eras of time, different geographical locations, all those different things. But my way, I've always explained it to my daughter and I try to, I've actually told her the idea of, of like writing this, this children's book about this, but it was kind of like, um, it was like a disco ball. So she has this, this disco ball, small thing, battery operated in her room. And one night she was talking about my grandma who had passed away And she just said very matter-of-factly that um, 
Grammy Shirley is now like nine days old or something because it had been um, 10 days since she'd passed away. And she just very matter-of-factly, she's like, oh, she's a baby now somewhere and, and she's now nine days old. And we started talking about, you know, a soul's journey. My daughter is a guru, I, I believe, <laughs> sent to me for my own personal healing. But and we just started talking about that and the possibilities of, of a soul and what that means and, and how life can go on and all of those things. And she asked some really good questions, some that I was like, I, I don't know, but here's what I believe. And ultimately what that got us to was me grabbing this disco ball that was sitting on her nightstand and me saying like, this ball is God. Like this is love. This is, this is what that is. And all these little, cause no disco ball has those little fragmented like mosaic tiles, the mirrors over it. And I said, each one of these is a different way to get to it. So this might be Christianity. This might be Catholicism. This might, you know, whatever it is, whatever healing path, whatever religion, whatever belief system it is that you can adhere to, like each one of those stones is a way to get to it. But ultimately you're trying to all get to that same ball, that same light, that same energy that's in the center of that. And she was like, oh, I get it. And I was like, dang, I think I do too now. <laughs> like, like in the process of explaining that, I was like, man, it's, it's not a concept so big is not a one size fits all. And of course, there's going to be different things that fit different people. And I really liked that analogy. And I've, I've stuck with that one for myself, even when I try to explain it. It's good. I, I think it fits the, the belief, you know, it, it makes God a loving God to say that these this tribe on this remote island that's <laughs> never had access to the English language or a Bible also has the same opportunity, opportunity. Mm -hmm. to get into heaven. Now, um, some would disagree, and, and I can see why reading the Old Testament. Yes. Let's say that I am uh, a devout Christian. There's a, a strong term to it. There's a church I went to here in San Diego. It's pretty, pretty intense. They were just like ripping on Buddhists. And I'm like, whoa, you know, like that's not, that doesn't feel very loving or very Jesus. And it's very like Old Testament, I guess. Like I'm a jealous God type stuff. Mm -hmm. So let's say I'm a, a, a devout Christian and um, and you're, you're sharing this with me. How would you persuade me or help me understand in a sense, like in the Bible, very much says like, I'm a jealous God, only worship me, no false idols, no, uh, you know, stay away from the other spirits. It's very open about there being like giants and like a lot of interesting stuff once upon a time. Mm -hmm. um, and other evil spirits. I mean, God was a, in Moses's, the book of Numbers, he's a, a pillar of clouds and fire all the time, you know, like takes a physical form. And so it, it the way I read a few spots, you and I talked to a few friends about this, is that there are other gods. You have this um, really awful one that came out in the conspiracy world last year. What is the one? Like the one where people like sacrifice children and stuff. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like pretty awful, but it's 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 in the mm -hmm. Bible around like stay away from, you know, this version of God or this thing that people worship, like Olmec or something like that. But uh, so how would you open me up to being more loving towards someone that we're into Reiki or 
all these things. And that was my, that was my belief. If I went, man, I just, you know, if the Bible tells me I, I cannot worship other idols. I have to stay away from spirits, but it sounds like I'm supposed to love my neighbors. So I'm very conflicted. Yeah. No, it's a good question. Um, and I'm, I don't mean this to be a cop-out answer, but, but after trying to convince a lot of people of what you just asked me, I realized that the, the best way to do it is to just keep being who you are and to accept that they have their experience and honestly not try to change it. I mean, I've, I've engaged in so many conversations where I'm quoting scripture and I'm going back to, I used to be, it was a youth group leader for quite some time Mm. um, and had my own whole experience and, and decided interestingly enough, my family believed in reincarnation Um, never overtly or outwardly taught that growing up, but it was always just kind of there. And, and, you know, my family definitely believes in other life forms and, and all of these types of things. Um, and I decided to kind of leave that thought system to go into Christianity and more secular ways because I felt a sense of community and like belonging. Um, and I explored that for quite some time to the point to where I was a youth group leader, Um, And then had my own personal shift and having my daughter and got kicked out of that church. Um, And I think what always sticks out in my mind, and and this kind of ties back to your question, is I remember when I became pregnant out of of wedlock, um, I was understandably asked to step down from my position um, as a youth group leader. And I did not disagree with that. I made the choice to go to um, the pastor and to tell them and, and to even accept that, you know, to resign and to accept that that was going to be the consequence. And I just asked if I could speak with um, speak with my girls because I'd been with them for a few years, um, speak with them myself. And they actually said no. And they had me escorted off of the premises with security guards. Whoa. Um, they later then sent my very confidential email in which I explained to the pastor um, where I had been at in my spiritual journey and why I had been struggling with my faith. Um, and it was because I was questioning a lot of what I was reading in the Bible. Um, I was questioning a lot of what I was being asked to teach the girls. Um, and I wasn't saying that it was untrue. I was just asking questions. And I remember being told, that I was the worst kind of Christian and that I was lukewarm um, and that I would basically be punished for asking these questions. And I remember coming back to the pastor and finding scripture that said, you know, essentially in summary that keep asking, keep seeking because truth is truth. And I think in a very long roundabout way, then seeing the girls, the girls themselves ended up reaching out to me. They were, um, freshmen, sophomores at that point, they ended up reaching out to me outside of church. Um, and they actually started like a bit of a, of a backlashing at the church because they started gathering scripture as to why Jesus would have never treated anyone that way, Mm -hmm. the way that he treated me. Um, and he ended up sharing my confidential email with the entire, um, all the parents of all the kids in the high school program sent it and used me as an example of why they would do better, um, interviewing process 
in the future. So it could have just turned into like a big thing. I ended up letting it go and I was very proud of myself for how I handled it. Um, because I, I did feel like I prayed a lot about it and I handled myself in a way that I had no regrets. And so I was, I was at peace with it. So I didn't feel the need to retaliate or to sue or anything like that. Um, but I remember those, those girls finding that scripture on their behalf and going back and kind of like raising a bit of hell and standing up for me and what they believed in because they were critically thinking and they were reading the Bible and applying it to themselves Mm -hmm. and not just going and listening to a pastor's version and interpretation and perspective. That's what I always get hung up on. And sorry if I'm going on a bit of a tangent here is that (laughs) sometimes at larger churches, I think the intention is always good. Organized religion I don't necessarily have anything bad to say, but I still think that it is important to critically think and recognize that what you're choosing to follow oftentimes in organized religion is one person's perspective and interpretation of the Bible, the main pastor, whoever that is, right? And while I don't think that their intentions are ever malicious or bad or wrong, that still is a human being having a human experience, having his own trauma, his own past, his own lens, his own personal relationship with God that is then at some point impacting or affecting the way he's then sharing that with others. Again, not purposely bad at all, but to not then take full responsibility and ownership for your own individual relationship with God or whatever you call that is I feel lazy. Like that's probably a bad word or might not apply to all, but to just- I'm in trouble for that one. (laughs) Just to go go on a Sunday to check a box, to hear a message, then apply it to your life versus what does this book mean to me? When I read these lines of scripture, what is the internal voice that I'm hearing? Like what are the lessons that are jumping at me? What are the words that are standing out at me? Not what are the words that sit out to Pastor Pat, not one of the words that stood out to, you know, whoever, but what's standing out to me. And that is the development of your own personal relationship with, with your God, with God, with the universe, with your internal guidance system, with your higher self, whatever you want to call it, right? And for me, I've gotten to a point to where I'm able to recognize that everyone is at different places and what they call that thing might need to fit inside of an organized religion structure, inside of a book where an Old Testament exists, and that matters. That's okay. I no longer want to change your opinion. I just want to love you and let you have your opinion, and I want to continue to be me, and I want you to see how similar we are. And by seeing my actions and how similar we are, I think you're going to become more curious. Does that, I mean, that's a very long way of answering your question. Nailed it. But I don't want to keep, yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to explain anymore. I used to feel like explaining I'm, to get them to believe me. And now it's just like, like that you said that. Yeah, it's just watch, see what I do. And the fact that you highly disagree with me, that's fine. I'm well, keep doing what I'm doing. I really don't like convincing people. I think you right? can't convince. I'm sure yeah. there are books written about this. You can't convince anybody. You can help them understand, but they have to want, you know, they have to actually want to understand. Yeah. I also think church has a lot of value. As I'm, as I'm listening to that, it makes me think about some conversations I've had with people when when they invite me to church. And Which I, I love church, by the way. I can go to any type of church and I can get 
a message out of it. I can leave and feel connected and deeply at one with whatever presence it is that I believe in. I go, I've gone to Catholic services. I've gone to non-denominational. I've gone to a lot of Christian services. I've gone to all kinds of temples and different things. Like I can get something from anywhere. So just, just to say that I have nothing against <laughs> anything. No, well, and, and sometimes it's good to, some people use the reason of like, I'm spiritual and I have this practice, but they, and church is bad. They, they also use it as a reason to not be held accountable mm-hmm. for practicing that. Mm-hmm. So that, like anything, there's layers to it, right? We're Absolutely. talking about critical thinking. So it's not a, it's just not a one size fits all for anybody. No. There's a lot of complexities to human nature and, and, and especially with interpretations. Like when I do my morning uh, readings, you know, through the Bible and I'm, I'm, there's a lot of interesting things where I find myself, you know, spending a few minutes or sometimes five or 10 minutes um, Googling a, a, a piece of scripture to find that there's 46 different versions. Interpretations of it. and meanings and yeah. what, yeah. Uh-huh. And it's different in the King James Bible than it is in the original mm-hmm. Hebrew scripture. And then along the way, we decided to change a word, which changes the meaning of it. And then one pastor says this about that and another says that. So you really do have to, and I, most of the time they encourage that. Whenever I've asked a lot of questions, um, done some really cool Bible studies in like the Mormon church, mm-hmm. uh, spent some f- super fun times. Like I, I did some like Scientology studies that were yeah, super yeah. interesting. Uh, what's another church? Catholic church. And I, you kind of get to the point where because I'm an outsider, I'm not like actually part of the church sure. and I'm having these meetings with pastors or uh, the different, you know, bishop or whatever it is. Um, often the questions when you get really, really specific in a, in a good, healthy way, come back to like, you have to find your meaning. I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. I, you know, if that's part of your message at church, I think that's really fantastic. Like I yeah. should almost be a part of every message. Like here's my interpretation of yeah. it. And, you know, put on your thinking cap, ask yourself some questions. Do churches, do, I wonder if churches do like, do they like journaling like in the middle? Like what if there was a sermon? Oh, that'd be so good. Like, here's what I think now. <laughs> Go inside and what do you think? Yeah, and like everybody just great. bust out a piece of paper from the bench in front of them yeah. and like journals about it for five minutes. Instead of the and old then, hymns in front of you, it's a oh, journal. Oh, I think we just changed church. Build this church on your new cryptocurrency Boom. Kanye, thing. you know what? We got to yeah. get Kanye involved. He's making a church Kanye building right now. Speaker. <laughs> Make it big. He's building like this whole crazy church thing right now. I uh, did not know that. Yeah, I... I find little pieces of information. Um, I started going back to at least reading headlines. I was so anti-news for a while, but now on my little aggregate news apps, I like to look at the headlines because then at least I know I can stay kind of, I don't I don't read too much into it, I guess. Like I look at it and I go, okay, that's what the media is saying about this thing. Like it's important to know about conflict in the Middle East and what's happening in the world. Sure. I'm not going to take... Fox News or CNN or anyone and say, this is 100% the fact. I'm going to pick up the headlines and, and stay, you know, thinking about those things. But, uh, yeah. Well, good on you. <laughs> I, I I went into a uh, social media, uh, what's the word? Diet, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I set the thing on your phone where you have a limit. So I have a five-minute mm-hmm. limit. And it's been that way for the last year and few months. Good job. So every day I am allotted, and some days I don't even use it, but I'm allotted five minutes on social media, which usually for me is Instagram, which my Instagram is a, a smattering of like self-help, as you would say, spiritual woo-woo also <laughs> stuff. 
and then some of the conspiracy stuff and then the mainstream news stuff. I like to get a good broad stroke of all of it. So what's this side say? What's that side say? And then what makes me feel good? Um, so I, I can't do more than five minutes and I, I usually don't go down that rabbit hole anymore. And I've, okay. I've been much happier, less stressed since Better doing that, human. but also a, a bit ignorant on some topics, yeah. but by choice right now, I feel like it's drinking from a fire hose and it's just not good for my own mental health or state of being. We don't have to know all the I things. don't. <laughs> and it's so, it feels so good. I used to think it's probably an immature thing or something to prove thing, but I used to think I had to have something to say or an opinion on everything. And it's so liberating now to be like, you know what? I don't know. Um, I don't know the answer to that. I don't have anything to add. I'm not educated in that. And it feels so good. It is, that is one of the most valuable things in business. To say you don't know? To say, yeah. I, that's actually been a hot topic for me working with some folks these last uh, couple months is uh, the power of saying like, I don't know. Hey, it's a great question. I don't know. I'm going to write it down. But then bringing it back to something you do know, at least in a business setting. Uh, but we get as humans like hung up on just really, that, that ego creeps up oh, yeah. on a lot of people. Uh, tell me about this because you brought up like blog and business and I feel like we've kind of gone. Oh yeah, we keep tangenting. Uh, well, tell mm -hmm. me about your blog. It, I don't <laughs> even know what to tell you. It's. What's the name of it? How can people find it? I haven't pushed it live. Oh, it's not. So you're just blogging. Okay, no. that's what you were talking about, the live thing. Yeah, like it's not exactly. Out there I've been writing all. the blogs. I mean, they're they're on the <sighs> site. They're just, it's not been pushed live. Um, we're going to hop on the computer before you leave oh, and start God. posting it. Yeah. Um, as of right now, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's integrity. So like N for Nicole, dot mm -hmm. integrity, right? Um, I like it already. Yeah. And it's really just about. There's your Canadian, by the way. You know, I had a, I had a <laughs> client that I worked with for years in sustainability <laughs> marketing. And I talked to her probably like six times a day. And I think that that's the only thing that stayed with me from that business relationship was the way that she said about, I now. Here's a, here's a fun fact. About. The amount of knowledge that I have accumulated about Canada in the last year is way above average for an American. In fact, I'm reading a book called Canada right now by Mike Myers. <laughs> um, I can name probably like 50 cities in Canada I can tell you like cultural norms across different provinces. I'm bragging a little bit right now. Go for but it. I used to always think it was just like, hey, the people that are like Americans, but they're just higher Let's up on the- Let's say about weird. Yeah, and they just have a couple of weird things. No, there's a lot of crazy difference. Not crazy like in a in a bad way, but in terms of thinking, speaking, uh, influxes in conversation, like there's certain things that they do that Americans could actually get kind of turned off by in terms of like a communication style hmm. where you think they're just trying to like either interrupt or or kind of do something, but they're actually encouraging you to speak. I'm so, Canadian then. Ah, That's what it is. Okay. It's coming well, out. I interrupt right. often. Well, I mean, you do just believe in so excited. reincarnation. So uh, you were Canadian in your past life. Well, I thought it was really cool about you sharing the your family being in reincarnation, but you haven't necessarily like pushed those values down to generation is that your daughter literally took the concept of grandma and already had that built into her wiring mm -hmm. um 
Yeah. I think kids in general, which I was one one time and so were you, I think we come, it's my personal belief, disclaimer. <coughs> I joked on my water. That was rookie move. Oh, All right. first <clears throat> lemon time, water. Lemon first water got time me. time drinking water. Uh, we were kids once. <laughs> we, were, we were all kids once. Um, my own personal belief. Mm. But I think that we, we come knowing everything. Uh-huh. We come with our self-worth completely intact. We come not giving a shit about hustling for worth or identity or anything like that. We trust our needs will be met because generally when we cry, we get food or whatever it is, right? Like we are so <laughs> still worked for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone feed me. Don't try I don't want to make dinner. Try it. <laughs> it's not going well. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to happen. They, although you could just Uber eat something to yourself. Uh, you know? true. I feel there's a weird energy to me around it, but yeah, well, it's better like, than crying yourself oh. to sleep and hunger. Mm, debatable. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like we come knowing all these things and just so intact to tie it back to the integrity thing, right? Mm-hmm. So intact. And then we live and we grow up and we fall into the various social systems and culture and whatever. And we start to question all that and we start to strip those things. And unfortunately, I won't say as a sweeping statement, but I think we're moving as a, as a whole towards being more knowledgeable on how emotions and affect regulation and all different types of things really play into how we become adults, right? And how we experience the world and how perceptions have an impact and just just the whole world of all of that stuff I could throw out about child psychology and, and what we now know. But I think that it's so amazing to be able to be that pure. And I think that she is still in a place. And because I try so hard to preserve it, I know I can't do that forever, but I try so hard to preserve her natural sense of curiosity and her natural knowings and her natural inclinations. And I try to support that I want her to be a certain way, but that she's not. And I try to not impose or push my expectations onto her. And I try to just let her be who she is. Um, And so I think kids, if you actually stop and talk to them about those types of things, most of them have profound answers and already have this connection to what they believe to be true for them. It's just, we don't, we don't ask them because we as adults, not everyone, but often don't have those answers ourselves. And so why would we ask them? Or it's a, it's a hard topic for us to grasp or wrap our heads around. So we talk to them, but I feel like little people See, and I believe this actually ties into the words too. I I hear regularly adults say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And um, I encourage people around me that if they ever hear me say that, to catch me on it and tell me not to say that. Because I most likely do. do Because it's there intuitively somewhere. You could use the internet. There's a million ways to find answers to things or seek out that knowledge. Um, I also believe that's why there are so many different belief systems if you're into like you know spirit or not spirit uh, animal symbolism and you mm-hmm. see a crow yeah. and then you, you google what a go, crow means i don't know and then you you know you kind of like even through the process of understanding that like for some people a crow means 
a sign of death. And then, hey, death can be good, like, or it can be, it can be like physical death, or it could be the death of something you don't need in your life yeah. anymore. That you can get answers from all over the place. But when we say, I don't know, we, we shut ourselves down immediately to this. And it's such a, just a common phrase. But I think that all those things are, I have this little index card. One of my mentors that I met in my life that crossed my path, his name's Todd Winter. He's amazing. He gave me this book. Couldn't even tell you the name of the book anymore. But what fell out of it was this little index card. And it said, um, everything you'll ever need, you already have. Mm -hmm. And it's, literally followed me from house to house and I always keep it somewhere super predominant and right now it lives last two years right above where I keep my keys one thing I'm very routine at is always putting my keys back in the same exact spot so I don't lose them and it sits right there and I look at it all the time and I think it's so true that it is it is not helpful to say I don't know because I think we we do know and anytime we google for those answers or we pull you know, a, um, like an Oracle card, or we look up the meaning of a crow, like you said, or we go to a spiritual advisor or we go to the Bible or whatever it is, it's just mirroring for us or giving us a point to push off from back to ourselves. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like I always see it like the swimmers in the water when they go to flip at the end, you know what I mean? They do those little dunk turns underneath at the end. Yeah. Yeah, It's like whatever it is I'm seeking that's external for me is just pushing me back around and back into myself Mm. because whether or not I agree with the symbolism of the crow, right? Either yes, that resonates with me or absolutely no, it doesn't. I have something to react to, to flare that like inner knowing that I already have. And I think, man, if we just got that as a people, that we have the answers, that we know the things, that everything we already need is inside of us. And we acted as more guardrails for each other to turn each other back into ourselves. Man, that would be a profound shift. It is uh, that I like your go with the analogies, by the way. Mm, you know, before we so started many. recording, you were we were talking a little bit about how I tricked myself mm, and the getting gymnastics. all the yeah mental gymnastics. And so when I think of learning or knowing, like I could say, let's use the whole blockchain thing or cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. I could say, oh, I don't know much about it. Or I, when there's one of the ways I, I trick myself, I, I trick myself in a lot of ways. Like once I learn you know, okay, I'm human, so I procrastinate. Okay, I'm human, so I have these things, like these weaknesses. The more I find I can trick myself, the better I can operate. So one of them is, oh, I haven't learned about that yet. Exactly. Oh my gosh, <laughs> there is this book. It's called Bubblegum Brain. It is for about a seven-year-old. Okay. But it is exactly that. It's it's all about, um, I don't know that yet, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to. And about yeah. how you expand your brain by learning more and by owning where you're at and where you want to be and that it's okay. I just don't know it yet. I haven't learned. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, okay. I'm going to rewrite that book. We're going to put like some Gosh, little bubble gum brain. Bubble gum brain. It could be rewritten. The artwork is very old and outdated. Adding it to the It's kind of creepy. I'm learning about all this stuff right now where you can, uh, uh, when books are like public domain, mm-hmm. like I've really thought about, in fact, if you, I have some books over here that I give away. So if you'd like a book, I don't know if you've read it yet, but Richest Man in Babylon is like one of my favorite books. If you read that yet. I have not. It's like my favorite money book right now. So freebie if you want one. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. But it's on public domain, so you can rewrite it. I've been, you know, kind of crafting this this. concept of, 
yeah, if it's if a book's old enough and depending on a lot of like legal things, um, hmm. you can print it on your own and sell it and kind of uh, all this stuff. So I've been working on this concept of the richest man in California, just because California is so widely known, it sure. might need a shift. It might need to be like Texas or something like that, or America or something. It needs America, to be, yeah. It needs to be global, but also uh, California's gotten a better app in the last year. But uh, yeah, so you can do stuff like that. So like That's global. interesting. That's like back to what we were talking about earlier, I think before we started to the, the knowledge brokering, mm. right? And the... I guess what's being referred to now is the the self education revolution, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're you're rewriting a book, but you're putting your own spin on it, right? And your own interpretation. But how I think I heard the analogy of what if your so knowledge has always been currency, but we're like recognizing it more so again in the whole self self education revolution, whatever. And how what if Gosh, I'm going to botch the analogy probably because it was not mine. But what if your knowledge is your inventory, your experience, here it goes. Your experience is your inventory, your knowledge is your asset, Mm. and then you have this unlimited thing that you can then just share with people, right? And when you think of it like that, and then I think I said before, your mess is your message. So then you take your lens and your experience of something and you apply it to like how you're saying that book, right? And you rewrite it. But how we're such in a place right now where you can you can literally broker other people's knowledge while adding your flavor to it. There's a lady you might really like. Her name is Julie Reisler. Reisler? I can give you her information if you want before you go. Um, she put out some really cool work, like get a PhD in you. And it was like, I think part of it, I only, I know her, I haven't, I haven't read her book. I have it on the shelf, but um, hopefully she's not going to have this. Uh, I'm promoting her, so she should be happy about it. Uh, <laughs> and her, a lot of it just from getting to know her better, um, like talking to her, was from like transformation of, of this like corporate knowledge mm. and her experience. Like you're talking about as an inventory and then knowledge as an asset and turning that into um, a business. And she helps other people do that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I just feel like because she's also very spiritual and like intuitive and all those things. I think all those might, woo-woo words you, you might, slap on. Mm-hmm. You might like her. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you this. When are you, I'm going to be super confrontational. Are you ready? Yep. Get prepared emotionally, mentally, I don't know that you can really stir me, but right? go ahead. I'm going to get you. Okay. Uh, when are you going to start your podcast? Oh. <laughs> 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 oh, that's a good question. Um, I set a goal for myself in three months and that was about two and a half weeks ago. What's the date? Look at your phone. What's no, you, what's have, you two have to and know half, the date. That's two and a half of, months from now. It's part, part of target setting, part of deciding. Okay, you have to give yourself a deadline. What's today? What's your deadline? What is today? Today is May something. Oh, June, keep track July. Just one giant calendar. Uh, July 17th. 22nd. July 17th. Okay, July 17th. Cool. Just we have it on record. Lick a finger and stick it in the air and see where. The, we have it on record now. It's real. We'll edit that part out. Nope. It's going live. <laughs> it's going to be part of the promo package. Yeah. I'm going to teach you how to stop being a chronic dabbler, which is what I have. That's your podcast? Or are you saying me? No. I'm saying I'm going to 
teach others how to because I'm currently oh. learning how to stop. Oh, I'm like, is that me? I'm like, I love to dabble. Dabbling. Dabbling is dangerous. I'm joking. Yeah. Okay. I'm all in on everything I do. That's good. I've I've realized that I am I am a dabbler and that is I think my biggest at least I'm aware. I can own it now. Yeah. I dabble in too many things. I need to go all in on one thing. If focus were a pie, mm-hmm. you have a hundred percent. So you have to carve that pie up very specifically. This is why I don't like multitasking. You know, there's a lot of sciences like women are better at minute multitasking. Yeah, but they're still poor well, at it. Yeah, and I think it's like what kind of multitasking? Like, can I scramble eggs while answering a math question for my daughter and making an appointment, you know, for her cast to be removed while... Yes, but people try to do that, try to turn that into other parts of life. Like, I'm in life, 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 life. I hope they don't like, try to turn I'm, it into life. Yeah, that'd be weird. But like, let me do this thing and do that thing and side hustles and hashtag and all this stuff. So you just have to make the decision. Commit. Give it your all. One thing. Commit. Yeah. The one thing. Have you read that book? Um, That changed my perspective on dabbling. Give me that guy, actually. The guy that wrote it in partnership with the Keller Williams people. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. What's his name? Don't Um, remember. Super cool guy. I have some folks I know that work on his one thing team. Uh, Yeah. There's a really cool thing here called the best year ever blueprint. They did their last one ever, December 2019. Good timing. Uh, great timing. Anyways, anything else that you like just had on your mind that you wanted to kind of like talk about or go with or put out there? No, I mean, I think we've we've dabbled all around in my brain today, so. It's cool. It's been fun poking around in there. If you say so. Poke, poke, poke. I got lots to say. You know what? I do have one more question for What's you before up? you go. Shoot. Uh, you mentioned earlier you started dating someone. I did. Well, so like post-quarantine dating, what's that like? Oh my gosh, it wasn't even post-quarantine. I met him during COVID. Oh. It's one of those real edgy people who tried that. You're meeting new people. It's very responsible of you. I did. I was distancing, for but I was. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, it was interesting at first. Um we were friends at first. Mm-hmm. He uh, he actually just started a podcast right. um, a little bit ago as part of his kind of healing. Um, he started a sobriety podcast, and I've been helping on the back end of that um, and just seeing kind of how it works and doing a lot of research. And what I found is very interesting and kind of nudged me to want to do mine was I have a lot of really good ideas of how to <laughs> drive tra- traffic and how to structure things and how to like really meet the audience and do engagement stuff. And I think I do a really good job at like pulling out those personal details and connecting mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And so I'm, I'm, you know, on the back end having all these ideas and oh, this and that. And before I realize it, I'm like taking over the podcast in my mind. Right. So I'm like, oh man, I gotta just do this myself. And I love it. But yeah, so it's been going well. I think relationships are work. And I also am a believer that they are your fastest way to healing things. Hmm. Um, I've done a lot of work on myself individually that I think I could do. And I carried myself as far as I could. And then I met somebody and then you know, all kinds of other layers of things get brought up that you can't necessarily get at on your own. (laughs) So um, luckily he is open and willing to also work on those types of things. And so we are 
we are trudging through some stuff and working on it and being open and transparent and honest and yeah, it's going good. Well, this sounds like shenanigans. I thought the relationships were this perfect Disney style. You know, that's what everyone thinks. Flawless. Man, I've been doing it wrong. All right. Yep. Shucks. They're hard, man. They're supposed to be. Well, congratulations. Thanks. I will speak on behalf of anybody who listens to this. Uh, we want you to launch your podcast and have fun. Yes, sir. Kick ball with your business. When I do, can I come back and then plug it? Um, I guess you can come back. <laughs> yeah. It's been fun, so... Sure. And look at that. Siren's right on time. Mm-hmm. Right on time. Oh, That's yeah. A That's a wrap. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if people would like to learn more about what you're doing or how to participate in it, because we're definitely going to make you start going live with your blog posting. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be social pressure. If you don't already feel it right in this moment, you will when this goes I did just start public. sweating, but it might be because of Good. the sunlight. It's definitely the skylight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, how can people reach out and make you sweat more? They can't right now. We're going to find you. I'm going to put your phone number. What's your phone number? It's area code 911. Yeah, 911. Um, 1-2-3-4-5. No, I don't know. I don't because I'm, I'm a pretty private person in terms of social I know, media. I know. I'm private on social so media. We're going to so find your blogs. We're going to post them for you. I promise um, eventually it'll be integrity.com. Right. Come back when it launches. With an N. But, uh, I feel like such an antagonizer today. I'm like, no, oh. it's good. I, I, I need <laughs> the accountability and just to do it. I have a lot of excuses and none of them are worthwhile. So thank you for the pressure. Mm. Challenge accepted. Tension is a tool. Tension is a tool. So is anger. Now you're making Excellent. me angry. Oh, oh, oh. I'm just I'm kidding. Sure. Please don't hurt me. I'm not angry. Uh, thank you for the rosemary. You're welcome. Can't wait to cook with it. Eat I some potatoes. To make potatoes. Rosemary yeah, I'm potatoes. Irish, so it's like in my DNA. There you go. Excellent. Starch. It's been fun. Thank you. See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Dedic Podcast.